Welcome to the Lancet Respiratory Medicine Podcast. I'm Aaron Van Dorn, speaking to you from the Lancet New York office. Tuberculosis is a serious global health problem, and multidrug-resistant tuberculosis is an increasing concern. Development of new TB drugs has been slow, and until recently, no new drugs had entered the market for 40 years. However, two new drugs, Bedaquiline and Dilaminid, have offered a glimmer of hope to doctors who treat TB patients. A new trial published in the Lancet Respiratory Medicine assessed the efficacy of Dilaminid to treat TB. I spoke with Dr. Raj Gupta of Stanford University, an author, about the trial. Dilaminid is only one of two tuberculosis drugs released in the last 40 years. Could you please give us an overview of the TB drug pipeline and why trials of new drugs are needed? Sure, I'm happy to take that two-part question. First, in terms of the pipeline, there is a favorable view and perhaps a more realistic view. After decades of an anemic pipeline, we are beginning to see a more robust pipeline than ever before. There are several candidates in phase one and phase two and more compounds in early stage screening and lead optimization. That definitely offers hope. But all that being said, the pipeline is still relatively anemic. You think about the low success rate in drug development, approximately about 10% once you get into human clinical trials. This pipeline is likely only going to yield one or two drugs that actually make it through to approval. So while the pipeline is the most promising it has ever been, it's far from adequate. Move on to the second part of your question. The reason we need clinical trials in TB is the same reason we need clinical trials of any drugs, any new drugs in any disease, and that is to really understand what is the overall benefit uh, that we are providing to patients. Yes, we have two drugs approved for MDR-TB treatment, laminate and Jacqueline, but this is no reason to say that's enough. In MDR-TB in particular, the majority of drugs used in treatment regimens would likely never pass approval by a stringent regulatory authority if rigorously assessed for safety and efficacy as delaminate and bedaculone were. We still struggle to understand what overall benefit, if any at all, these historical drugs has provided to patients. And while aggregating data from programmatic use is helpful, that kind of approach cannot replace the rigor of evidence gathered from randomized clinical trials and through the scrutiny of the standard drug development and approval process. Can you imagine if the treatment of cancer patients was approached in the same way that we've historically approached treating MDR-TB patients? It would be appalling. So we really should not be subjecting patients to lower standard evidence because that is all we seem to be able to do. I think we have an obligation to patients to do much better than this. In the phase three trial published in the Lancet Respiratory Medicine, Delaminid did not reduce time to sputum culture conversion compared with placebo. Could you please talk about the design of this trial and what the results mean for treatment of MDR-TB? To accurately interpret the results of the trial and what it means for the role of delaminate in the treatment of MDR-TB patients, you really have to understand two aspects of trial design, the research question and the settings in which the trial was conducted. First, the research question was, does delaminate add to an optimized background regimen? And that's a regimen that could undergo multiple changes and specifically tailored to each patient. So it was not just any background regimen or a fixed background regimen. So does that regimen, when the laminate is added to it, 
result in a faster time to sputum culture conversion over the initial six-month treatment period in MDRTB patients when compared to placebo added to the same optimized background regimen. Second, the setting was MDRTB centers that were actually centers of excellence that likely inform global policy recommendations and not settings yielding cure rates hovering around the slightly north of 50% of the WHO global average or one that, say, for example, had 25% of patients defaulting from treatment. You put these two factors together, this trial set the bar extremely high and asked the question, against the highest standards of care, does delaminate offer additional benefits? Now, the results show a few things that are important for the treatment of MDRTB. First, the results overall have shown what the TB community has tried to achieve for the last 20 years. Very high cure rates are possible in resource-limited settings, and this should be celebrated and the participating centers should be congratulated for showing what, frankly, many TB experts said was not possible. Second, Ultimately, the trial did not answer what is the role of delaminate in MDR treatment today. I think any drug added to an optimized background regimen in these types of centers of excellence settings will likely not show additional benefit from an efficacy perspective. This brings me to the third point. This trial showed the importance of safety and solidified delaminate as perhaps one of the safest MDR-TB drugs. Fourth, in spite of all of this and in spite of the unprecedented results in the placebo arm, I would argue that a positive drug treatment effect was observed with delaminate. In the sensitivity and subgroup analyses, including what we consider to be more clinically relevant methodologies, the direction of the results were the same as the main analysis. Patients treated with delaminate plus an optimized background regimen had a faster time to sputum culture conversion over six months. The difference, however, was that the p-value barely missed the threshold for statistical significance in the primary analysis. In the other scenarios, the results achieved statistical significance. For those who have an understanding of statistics, p-values reflect a continuum, and nothing magical happens at p equals 0.05. A p-value of p equals 0.049 should really be looked at with equal scrutiny as a p-value of p equals 0.051. And the delaminate evidence from this randomized clinical trial as a whole and the phase two randomized clinical trial all point in the same direction in terms of delaminate's benefit. The challenge, however, is to really understand how effective is delaminate in the currently evolving standard of care. And this really is in three specific scenarios where delaminate may play a role. One is shorter duration regimens. Two is fixed, non-optimized, conventional, longer treatment regimens. And three are regimens designed to reduce toxicities in patients, so more of a substitution type manner. And so this is where we really need to conduct additional research and find out where, if, and how delaminate works best. Looking to the future, what are the next steps in terms of discovering and testing new drugs to treat drug-resistant tuberculosis? I think the main is really to get to shorter duration, 
safer regimens. Right now, we're still operating with regimens from nine to 24 months, and that's simply unacceptable. In standard drug development, though, the principles focus on showing the benefit of an individual drug. So the challenge that we're faced with is how do you develop individual drugs in the context of developing new regimens and how to do both of these things in a rapid but meaningful manner. We need to find drugs that can show faster time to sputum culture conversion and a favorable safety profile like delaminate and bedaquilin to really get to this main goal of shorter, safer regimens. Ideally, we would have the opportunity to almost reset the drug resistance epidemiology with the widespread introduction of regimens comprised of all new drugs in settings that have little or no background resistance to the drugs that compromise such regimens. However, as Charles Wells and I have discussed in a previous editorial in the Lancet Respiratory Medicine, we think the 